Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 3389238, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML3389238, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC3389238, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Following Flames, the podcast where I, Robbie McCluskey, and my fabulous co-host Joe Aguirre channel our inner Steven Seagal's by doing nothing more than sitting and talking. Before we get started, I just want to say that if you like what you hear, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Following Flames. Uh, will it be the best page you ever follow? Will it ignite a passion in you that burns with the white-hot intensity of a thousand suns? Probably not. Uh, in fact, it might be pretty disappointing, but I think that's Pretty fitting for today because, Joe, I took a look in the mirror today and I was struck by the desire to talk about some of the biggest disappointments we've ever experienced in our uh, relatively short lives. Yours is a little longer than mine, but. uh, (laughs) Yes, sir. I'm ready to spill. This this show uh, has become the de facto where I tell my mom my health status show. I didn't realize it was going to become that at all. So one of her biggest disappointments, she has to go to your shows to find out how her son's doing. Yes. Very much so, with great disdain. She hadn't been watching a lot of my shows leading up to this, so it's nice that she's watching and listening, and I appreciate it, but maybe I I guess I got to start calling her more now. Yeah, well, it's a a once-a-week show, so maybe call her once a week before the show. (laughs) I mean, I can't get my mom. Disappointments, though. Buddy, I got a lot of those. Go Well, actually, I, I was partially interested in talking about this because we'd previously discussed you wanting to bring up some of the most disappointing movies you've ever come across or just things in movies that take you off or that you always see that are disappointing. So I thought it was just fitting, get a couple of those topics in, and I would love to hear what you have to start. Yeah, well, I'm going to throw this thought out there first because I at some point do want to talk about movies that disappoint me, but I'll start off by an actor who in almost every movie he's ever been has disappointed me, and that is Will Ferrell. I think Will Ferrell sucks. I don't find him funny at all. And I'm just going to put that out there. 
One of the biggest disappointments in my life was watching the movie Anchorman. And then for like six months trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And then I realized it, Robbie. He sucks. And nothing to do with me. You're really pulling uh, like a principal Skinner right now from The Simpsons. It's like, what's wrong with me? No, it's everybody else that's wrong. <laughs> do you like Will Ferrell? So I'm not crazy for a lot of the things that people are crazy for him about. Like Anchorman, it didn't really impact me that much. I thought it was great. I just didn't think it was like as rewatchable as everybody said. Very similar to Step Brothers. But I love, and I think I mentioned this actually, might have been the first episode, but I love the other guys with him and Mark Wahlberg, where he just essentially plays a nerd, but all like the hot ladies in the world want Will Ferrell as this just like accountant for law and order. I thought it was, there was so much subtle humor in that. And I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the movie Stranger Than Fiction? Yeah. Fantastic movie. I think Will Ferrell's good in that. But a lot of the stuff, I think his appearances on like late night, um, or little random guest appearances in sketch comedy, I think mostly rely on his reputation and not as much his actual like comedic talent a lot of the time. So that's a little yeah. bit of a disappointment for me. But I, I like Will Ferrell, but I'm just not like going overboard for Anchorman or Step Brothers. That that's where I might. But then again, I'm also the guy who's very disappointed by Steve Carell. So uh, you know, people can Steve- come at me with torches and pitchforks as well. I I think Steve Carell is very over the top when he's acting, when he's on shows or I just watched him recently roast Tim, um, Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steve Martin was with Martin Scorsese and he was brilliant there. I've seen him do some things like that where he's very funny, but I agree with you. I always, my least favorite part of the office was Steve Carell. And I like Steve Carell, but I thought he made that show unbelievable at times. It was too cringy for me. I think we've talked about it before, but, you know, Arrested Development, for me, got that perfect balance of cringe and actual humor, but too much of the humor in The Office was cringy, which which threw me off. Um, But what really made Steve Carell, and it's it's one of those situations where just one instant ruins something for just all time. And after I saw, because I loved Bruce Almighty, and then I saw Evan Almighty, and even as a kid, I was like, it was probably one of the youngest memories that I have feeling like an adult movie critic. Cause I was just like, the structure wasn't there. The jokes <laughs> fell flat. And I'm just like walking out, like chewing on gummy worms being like, it's like, Oh, they could have done so much more with that talent that they had. It's like, why did they get these performances out of these actors? Um, it was just a nightmare for me. Um, you actually, and- you actually just hit on for me, one of the biggest disappointments of my entire life. And that literally is religion. I think we know that from last episode as well. I might have gone off a little bit, but listen, let me give you a little background on me. I grew up Roman Catholic, went to communion, uh, uh, to confession on Saturday. I went to church on Sunday. Then they added a Saturday mass. We just did it all in one day. I was in one of those lowercase T's. (laughs) I was an altar boy. I dressed like a druid for, for mass. Like I wore like Mm -hmm. a Brown jumper with a hood. And I really believed in that stuff. You know, I went to a parochial school, St. Mary. They didn't teach us a whole lot about science or history. We did spend a lot of time talking about the Jesus. And when I finally, uh, even my freshman year, I went to a Catholic high school. 
I got kicked out of there. That'll be another one of my disappointments on my list. I'll tell you how I got, how I got kicked out of Xavier because I did. But, yeah, I remember a couple of things, Robbie, stand out. I had a nun. Uh, I want to say I was in, like, the third grade. And I had read something in, in one of our readings that day. That I almost want to say it was um it might have been the story of Jericho and the sun stayed in the sky for three straight days. And I thought, I don't think so. I was trying to picture that in my head. Just the sun didn't go down for three days. Like the well, law of physics Alaska, were completely for a while. Sure, sure, but it's observable it, but... to observable to other people on Earth. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you would know, you know, when Alaska's got the six months of darkness and six months of light it's well documented at this point. But that seemed weird to me. And over the years, as I, you know, as I've de-religiousized myself or whatever you want to call it, that was one of those things where uh, somebody actually had researched that. Like, is it possible somehow the sun stayed out for three straight days? Well, also tracking things back then and, and at a really high level were the Chinese. And they don't recall there being a period where the sun just was up for three days. And so I was asking my nun and then my priest and the teachers at the school about some of the stuff, which I would later find out is called allegory, where it's a story within a story. And that the two stories tend to be connected and kind of on the same with the same lesson at the end. If you read the Bible, it's like, oh, you could tell what's going on there. You don't have to be like a literary genius to be like, there's a story and then a side story. And then the main story, they both end exactly the same way. And I thought it was kind of, these are stories. This is not unlike Mother Hubbard. Am I just here to learn a lesson, these parables and stuff? Each and every time, Robbie, you know what they told me? It's the literal word of God. And so my takeaway was, God's not a good writer. Not a good writer. Um, this book is not solid. If I was writing an autobiography, I would have left out the time I told Abraham to kill his kid for me. I would, mm -hmm. uh, or, or when I made jo uh, you know Job get eaten by a whale, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have put those in my book. Well, you're Julius not a priest, Caesar. The Caesar wrote a book. Caesar wrote a book, and even he was selective in the things he took credit for and into other things he attributed to other people because he didn't want to get in trouble. God was just like, whatevs. And the whole, the whole story, it just, none of it rang true for me, dude. And everywhere I turned to ask one of these religious people for a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance, my faith is 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 questioning these things because again, I've always been a very literal, factual person. And you know what the, you know, they used to give me the F word. Faith. Faith. I hate that word. Mm -hmm. Gotta have faith. I don't have faith in anything. The only thing I have faith in is that the sun comes up in the morning and it goes down at night. It's the only thing I can count on. The only faith I ever cared about was when hope and faith was a show. They're cute. And I like that. Yep, that was a uh, yeah, little Robbie loved hope and faith. <laughs> my dad is a Eucharistic minister at my church. My mom also pretends to be religious. I'm just kidding, mom. I know you're going to watch this and get pissed at me later. <laughs> I many years ago, I've told I, I mentioned this last week, but I, I asked my mom once 
on a particular Saturday afternoon where I was just wanting to do anything but stop what I was doing to go to church. I said, why do I even have to go? And you know what she said to me? Nothing about God or Jesus. She said, my mother made me go and I'm making you go. And then guess who didn't go with us? My mom. She's like, I've suffered. Right. If you're going to make me go to something and you won't go to it, and I could see every adult I knew dragging themselves to it, it's like nobody's into this. What are we doing here? Yeah, that's also kind of going back to when I said, like, if you're saying back in my day and people are still struggling in the same way, it's not an improvement. Like, you don't need to struggle the same way a previous generation did. And um, luckily, I had a, I mean, my mom... I believe went to church, but my dad was so against it. So he kind of took the overpowering voice on that decision. So I never really had to go. I think I went once out of curiosity and way before I even walked out of the church, I was just like, why do so many people come here? It's like, this is a weekend. Why are people here? I went to a Southern Baptist church 15 years ago in Atlanta. Like to visit or actually Going to I the was church. visiting somebody and we ended oh, up okay. going to the church. And I'll tell you right now, bro, it's not a 45 minute, say your repetitive prayers, the Our Father, shake some hands, get your communion and bounce Catholic stuff like I do. You're there for like five or six hours. It's like an all day affair. No, thanks. And, and I guess in those five or six hours, if you're one of the righteous ones, you know, you'll speak in the tongues or, or you know, something will hit you. And, and yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, the only good thing I ever saw come from a church was like the realization that the Blues Brothers had to go on a mission from God. I was like, <laughs> oh, sweet. If church gives me that and like playing songs and driving cop cars around, hell yeah. The funny thing is, is if you if you hold, if you were to hold up to scrutiny for everyone to see. Like the inconsistency of religion, the dubious starts to those faiths. You know, I mentioned this last time, but St. Paul stole the Christian faith from Jesus's brother, James, and his best friend, Peter. Like the, the religion was supposed to be one thing, and this guy took it and made it a different thing. And it's what we all worship to this day for those of us who are Christians. So he's like the Mark Zuckerberg of religion. Bamo. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know this about Islam. Islam, same thing. This Mohammed guy found a religion. Uh, it was too Western for the people of the Middle East. So he changed the names around. Uh, not Abraham. He's Abraham. Got real clever on the name changes. And then he ended up, you know, forming an army. And he took over Mecca and Medina. And then he died. And Shia and Sunni Muslims have pretty much been from the beginning. Like he died and right away it was like, well, who's in charge and who do we follow? They had no idea. And they immediately split. Like if your religion splits immediately and not like 1400 years later, it's probably bullshit. Like, I think that's a safe bet that if your religion splits instantly, that there wasn't really much of a foundation. Yeah, it seems like they would be following the person 
and then they're gone they're like oh we have nowhere to turn to all pretty much just like yeah. all chaos it's like without a leader people just people branch don't out know what to do i'm watching this uh stay sweet listen and obey it's uh about the church of latter-day saints warren jeffs whose father rulon was like 86 when he died had like 40 kids and everybody at the latter-day saints robbie thought he was going to live forever Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. You, and then he mentioned. died, and they were like, oh, snap. Now what? And his son, Warren, stepped up and was like, I wonder who the next prophet should be. Anyone? Me? No. Okay. I was just talking to a buddy of mine a little while ago. I don't know if you heard this recently, but the Fed chairman, they raised interest rates pretty high. And people were like, why would they raise interest rates? It's going to make it harder for poor people to afford things. Bammo. Yes. The reason we have high inflation is as poor people aren't as poor as they were the last few years. Mm -hmm. We need them to be poor again. That's going to fix the economy. I know that sounds insane, but. Every pyramid scheme and capitalism is no different. Somebody's got to be at the bottom holding the bag, right? That's mm -hmm. how pyramid schemes work. If if you're making a ton of money selling Avon, you've got a friend from high school who's got a garage full of your product in their garage that they're that they haven't been able to move. It's worth about a hundred thousand dollars. Someone's always holding the bag, okay. And the poop goes downhill. It, it doesn't trickle up. It trickles down. The money and profits don't trickle down. The poop does. That's the problem. You need a good foundation of, of losers to stand on when you have capitalism. Yep. And uh, seems like they've got quite a few now. A lot of losers to stand on. Oh, my God. So let me ask you this, then. I just gave you mine. Because, I I mean, listen, here's the funny thing. Like, my mom hates that I'm an atheist. And I'm like, I didn't, like, want to become one. I didn't, like, go out of my way to become one. I didn't have a, I was a Catholic and an altar boy. I'm having a bad experience or anything. Like, nothing happened. You know what I mean? This is just who I am. Uh, it just, the, the whole thing is so severely lacking for me. Mm-hmm. It was a way I for I mean, my whole life, I I mean, I was a Catholic school kid growing up, Robbie. Well, that's you like know? that's like having one of the most like a giant foundation of your life, especially as a child. And then you grow up and you find out that it's it's almost like in your mind, a lie. Santa Claus. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a white well, lie that your parents tell you. It's, it's no, not cool. Santa Claus. I'm talking about like things that don't exist. <laughs> We'll talk more about that later. Joe, <laughs> you have something to say to me? I didn't mean Santa Claus. I'm sorry. I confused him with the Easter Bunny. All right. Well, let me just add something to my list of disappointments now. <laughs> the list is getting longer as the show goes on. Every so day. So let me ask you, what would you say? Because for me, that really is my number one thing. It was yeah. uh, the, maybe the second biggest disappointment is how the Republican parties turned out. Because again, those were two things I strongly identified as both a Catholic and as mm -hmm. a Republican. It would be like if the Yankees were to pack up and move to Saskatchewan, Canada. Like that's the kind of disappointment. I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. I would die if the Yankees left New York City, if they left the Bronx even. Oh God, okay. actually, I didn't even think of the Red Sox. Their current state's one of the most one of the biggest disappointments of my life as well. 
that game the other night, uh, the 28 to five or whatever, I was, oof. The, for, okay, so I I put it together. Um, the week before this past Friday to Saturday, can you just off the top of your head guess the run differential for all the games combined? I'm going to say about 50. The Red Sox scored nine and the competition scored 49 runs. Oh, wow. 40. Jeez. Yeah. A rough week. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, even when yeah. they got that that uh, um, 28 to five loss, I was like, and it seems like most people looked this up as well because they're like, what's the biggest loss in MLB history? Because I had to type in like one word and it was the top of the suggestions and it was 30 to three. So not far off. Yeah, a historic beating. And and this has been an extremely disappointing season, I would say, if you're a Red Sox fan. But I'm a well, Yankees fan, and things are going so great that uh, we're already at this point. You know how stupid Yankee fans are, Robbie. As a Red Sox fan, I'm sure you understand this. If the Yankees don't win the World Series, this whole year will have been a giant waste of our time. A lot of fa- Yankee fans think that. And for the life of me, dude. I think to myself, you're doing this wrong. Like, if you're not enjoying all of what's happening right now, Aaron Judge homering at a record pace, the Yankees pitching's the best it's been in in 10 years. It's like World Series quality pitching. And yet still, still people are pissing and moaning. And they're, they're like tracking to the 1998 Yankees, a team that I was 25, watched every single game that year. And people in their heads have built up this myth of who was on that team. And it's like Chad Curtis was the left fielder. He platooned with Ricky. Yeah, he doesn't ring a bell at all. He platooned with Ricky Leday. In September, the starting job went to Shane Spencer. Daryl Strawberry and Tim Raines had some time in left field, but they were getting older. Chili Davis even played left field one time for that, that 1998 Yankee team. So News for you. That team was not filled with legends. I did a show earlier today. I went through the pitching staff. The guys in the bullpen, 80% of them were unrecognizable names. I was going to say, I thought you were making up all those names until you said Daryl Strawberry. I was like, is this nah. he's just messing with me? I was like, I've yeah. never heard it. So, I mean, I was a big, I, I mean, I haven't been really interested in baseball in a while, mainly because I was spoiled growing up in the steroid era, which was one of the most fascinating times in baseball for showmanship and ridiculous home run capacity um so it's gotten kind of dull also after big poppy left the Sox, um retired even though he just got into the hall of fame congrats big poppy but uh yeah it just it just went off when the red Sox really started playing money ball seriously and you never really like had any awesome players on your team not like except for mookie Betts and like xander bogarts and them but like it, it became much more of a business as opposed to just like a sport with soul, which is what I lost interest in. And that's actually kind of the way the Bruins are going right now because uh, there's another one, another major disappointment. Boston Bruins, the, the way they're trending is not good. And that is throwing me off because now I only have the Patriots left. And I was kind of spoiled the way you were with the Yankees. Like I'm yeah. feeling like there was a big time where I was like, if the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, this year has been a waste because we were in the Super Bowl or in the last game in the playoffs almost every year for the past or for the 20 year period when yeah. Tom Brady started after. I, I again, I think that's a mix of having very high expectations and high expectations are good. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're a Patriots fan. Tom Brady's your quarterback. The divisions, yes. Playoffs, yes. Anything beyond that is gravy. And I don't understand how, I mean, for Yankee fans, I'm like, are you a Steinbrenner? Like, how could your expectation be that high? You don't even understand how this works or what it even takes day in and day out. Like, I don't. So for me, when they're when they're doing great, I try not to piss and moan. I try not to. I, I, it's that's been life. I don't piss and moan about life. I don't go on Facebook and I'm like, I'll tell you what happened to me. Like, nah. Mm-hmm. You know, the only person look at that this post that, I just found from my cousin. Right. The only people that the hear most that aggravating kind of thing in the world is my wife and the audience on my show. So lots of people, but I'm not out there. You know, you come here to find out what I'm upset about. I'm not going out there offering it up. You know, I want a free scholarship to college, four-year presidential merit scholarship, lost it after two and a half years. That was disappointing. Well, before we go away from the Patriots, I got to do it. Actually, this might be one of the biggest disappointments in my entire life. Obviously, the 2007 season coming to an end with them losing the perfect season to the New York Giants, who my best friend is a Giants fan. And that was the only time like I've broken my neck and been paralyzed. And that Patriots game is the only game is the only time in my life where I've woken up the next day and been like, did that actually happen? Like, I've got more PTSD from that than I do anything else. I'm just like, oh, God, there's got to be a universe where they won. And I'm not in it. Yeah, that's got to suck. And I know the Patriots lost again to the Giants and, and then to the Eagles. But like that first one, that was the first one. And it was it couldn't have come at a worse time. You know, the joke, what's the difference between 19 and 0 and 18 and 1? Doesn't come with the same ring. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They, they um, also don't send the 19 and 0 shirts. Actually, no, they yeah. do send the 19 and 0 shirts. <laughs> To like third world countries because nobody's gonna buy them anymore. Yeah, there's there's probably a poor kid somewhere in Somalia right now in a 19 and 0 Super Bowl championship shirt. Yeah, he's kept it pristine all this time. He's like, this is gonna this is gonna be worth something someday. Yeah. He's gonna fall into some really bad luck, end up with a make-a-wish, and his make-a-wish is gonna be for Tom Brady to sign the 19 and 0 shirt. Of all the garbage I've seen on Facebook. And YouTube. I'm shocked that no one has done this yet, where people go to Africa and try to find vintage starter gear, like retro starter gear that's worth money, and and try to take it. Yeah, that know, would be the pennies for pennies on the dollar. That's like always sunny type scumbag move right there. I can't imagine actually anybody other than the people in Always Sunny. So if they're looking for uh, episode ideas since they're like on their 40th season now, yeah. That would be funny, wouldn't it? That would be great. They're like, hey, we've won a we've won an all expenses paid trip to Africa, and they just go and find all the memorabilia that people are given. <laughs> uh trademark following flames podcast. That's the worst thing I could think of right there. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I, there's a lot of scum, but that would be that would probably top the list of like inconsequential scumbag moves in the long run. I'm gonna send him a lit- I'm gonna send him an idea. Yeah, so that was a very disappointing game. And then we we lost another one to the Giants. Honestly, when we lost to the Eagles, I didn't 
I actually imagined that the Patriots could have lost that game, so I wasn't too shocked. But just two losing two to the Giants was tough. This just a, suck. one of many disappointments. I guess here's my question: When you're talking to a Giants fan, or if you see Eli Manning on SNL or on ESPN, how does it make you feel? I so I it's I I don't care about Eli Manning. I like I look at how his much face. of it is. I guess how much of it's shame. How much of it's embarrassment is what I'm trying to figure out. It's more just it's I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm not even all that mad at the Giants. Whenever I think of that Super Bowl, I'm just like, catch the ball, Asante. Asante Samuel letting an interception on the game-winning drive for the Giants just flop through his hands. Like, helmet catch, great play. But that was just two people trying to do as the best that they can. Asante Samuel, end of a Super Bowl, undefeated season. Catch the damn ball. I was just that, watching. That's what irritates me. It's, it's not that we got beat. It's that we lost. I just watched that helmet catch thing the other day, by the way. and. You know, it's funny because Eli Manning is such a not was so uh, not mobile uh, as a quarterback, and he was more or less in the grasp. He was he was, he was wrapped sad. up. I I had seen them call him in the grasp on on less obvious plays in my life. Yeah, quarterback gets wrapped up like that now yeah they're, they're the whistling it over. dead immediately the yeah. play's over um and it was a miracle it was a miracle he even kept on moving because it would have been easy for him if the defense wasn't gonna take him hard to the ground that you might just stop fighting to stop the play and reset and he didn't do that which is very unlike eli mm. and then did one of the worst things you could do as a quarterback and that is to throw one up out over the middle of the field where one of the greatest free safeties in NFL history, Rodney Harrison was just kind of ranging out there. Mm -hmm. Nothing about that from a giant standpoint, nothing about that felt right. Looked right. He caught the ball on his helmet. He went to the ground. It was like a millimeter or two off the ground at one point. And it was perfect defense. It was like Malcolm Butler on oh uh, yeah, dude uh, on Curse when they threw it up and he tapped it and it went in the air and then he just the ball just landed in his lap. Yeah, and they almost won. But I mean, we all know how that Super Bowl ended. Yeah, it's it's it was just it's a play I can respect. I think actually in saying that you watched that the other day, the thing that ruins that that makes that game the most disappointing is no matter when I watch a NFL top 100 plays of all time, top games of all time, the top five is going to be typically two Patriots plays, two or three Patriots plays, or if it's top games, two or three Patriots games. But there's always going to be just, just like the deflating factor of that game is going to be right up there too. So it's like, you can feel as high as you want knowing that the Patriots had so many amazing plays and so many amazing games but that's going to be there just to like humble you and bring you back down to down to earth every single time. Like I can't watch a top play compilation without that being right next to all the Patriots plays. It's that's what ruins it because I can't enjoy a lot of the Patriots excellence in a compilation or a top 10 list without being reminded of one of the biggest disappointments of all time. Now that said, I do have to bring up a game December 19th, 2010, the new miracle at the Meadowlands as this game became known. And this is one of those things where I see this, this play at least once a week 
this comes up in my social media feed. That was where there were six seconds left in the game, and all the Giants needed to do was punt the ball out of bounds and not to Deshaun Jackson. Yes, where he knowing where he bobbled it and dropped it first, right? Deshaun Jackson is the man, as they say in silver linings. Yep. Yeah, dude, six seconds left. Just and and uh, Matt Dodge was the Giants punter. He was a Pro Bowl punter. Like just all you got to do, bro, is kick it out of bounds. Who is yeah. the Coughlin? Tom Coughlin stopped him immediately when he was trying to walk off the field past him. He was just like, "Why'd you kick it in bounds?" Just the dumbest idea. Or I don't know if it was just a mistake that kept it in bounds, or he just was like, "Nah, we're good." Well, so he also kicked a line drive, which so so yeah, true, uh, true. right again. He, he ended up kind of out kicking the coverage because he kicked a low liner and it hit the ground. Uh, as you mentioned, he bobbled it and he changed direction. And as soon as that happened, eleven giants were out of position. <laughs> <laughs> If I never had to see that again, I could, I could, I could die a happy man. But I, I do. I see that thing, dude, so often, and it makes me so angry. One thing that always lifts my spirits is watching the highlights. I've bookmarked the highlights every time it gets da- uh, like taken down. I'll try and find it on a different website and bookmark that page. The butt fumble game highlights. <laughs> Most people know, obviously, know the butt fumble because it's historic. The whole picture of that game it's on thanksgiving and that was also a game where the patriots scored i think close to 30 points in under three minutes in the first quarter or the or it might have been the second quarter but they uh, got an interception and uh, ran up i think there was a pick six and then brady threw to welker for like a or or amandola one of their short slot guys for like a 99 yard touchdown run uh, i think it was one of the slot guys and then there was the butt fumble which was a fumble returned for a touchdown and then on the following kickoff the patriots kicked it and a jet got it and was returning it got hit so hard that it bounced out of his hands right into Wes Welker's hands, and he just went right into the end zone on that kickoff. Yeah. It was, they were just like, I don't know how you get how you can be this careless with the ball. And every time they just went back to Rex Ryan, who's just shaking his head in disbelief. And uh, they even had like a bunch of uh, people in the stands with it, everyone hated Rex on the Jets at that time. They were like X Rex posters. And then there was like a really old guy, like Tom Coughlin age, with a bike helmet with a plane on it. And they were just like, well, that man is experiencing some turbulence right now. And it was just everything about it. And the fact that it was just the butt fumble was the cherry on top, but just the the total collapse that early because Rex Ryan hates Belichick and the Patriots. That was just like the biggest pet peeve for him. That was probably one of the biggest disappointments of Rex's life. But oh God, that is just it's it's so comical that that game actually happened. And that I, I could have the worst day and that will bring me out of that funk. Speaking of another one of the worst days that I ever experienced, when the Lego movie was not nominated even for an Oscar, not even nominated, I lost all faith in the Oscars from that because that was one of my favorite movies of a year. And then it came out like I watched that seven times within the first three days after I saw it. And then I was like, this is going to be this is going to win best animated movie of the year. And then it wasn't even nominated for anything. And I was like, this is a visually stunning, amazing masterpiece of a kid's movie. And I should know because like I'm 19 and I'm losing my mind laughing at this. And I'm just like, this would be the best thing if I was a kid. But it just didn't get anywhere. 
I mean, I don't know. It was like it, it wasn't a disappointing movie. It was just a different point, disappointing result because it didn't get what it deserved. Let me ask you this. In hindsight, now that you're thinking on it, do you think maybe uh, the movie wasn't that good? Is that possible? No, I still think it's fantastic. Just the, the little subtle. It, it's got very similar comedic intelligence to Arrested Development. Like there's a lot of in your face jokes, but there's also super quick little one liners that people kind of it's like airplane, too. There's so many jokes around every corner, even if it's just the way that the background is built or something. A uh, little thing. I, I, I love the Lego movie. Even I will admit I am just absolutely in love with essentially a two hour commercial for Legos. OK, yeah, I, I could. That makes sense. That is definitely that is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that that that's definitely what that is. Uh, because really, a movie starring Legos is uh really just stealing actual roles from humans. Do you not like the Lego Movie because oh, Will Ferrell's in it? D- it didn't help. <laughs> His he's so stupid and he's so annoying. I hate the sound of his voice. I hate when he gets loud. Like, I, I guess a lot of people think when Will Ferrell, like, yells, that's hilarious. Not me. Mm-mm. Yeah, loud doesn't do it for me. No. No, not at all. He's terrible. I like, I want to laugh. I want I want my brain to be tickled. I want my brain to essentially be rewired in a way that I'd be like, I'd never even thought about that. And that is funny as all hell. Right? Yeah, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm asking for much. I no, it, I don't think this is a me thing. I think this is uh, a them thing. Principal Skinner. <laughs> Am I doing it again? <laughs> You're doing it. You're the most Skinner guy I know. You know, actually, thinking back to when you were talking about religion, I was thinking, like, what were some lies that I was told as a child? And I never, like, my family didn't make me have religious views or anything. but. So I can't remember any kind of like foundational childhood destruction, but there was this one time when I had, it was super hot out, actually probably very similar to how hot it is today because we're going through this crazy heat wave. Uh, I had a babysitter and we were trying to wait for the ice cream truck to come around because they came around like suburban neighborhood, like they'd come around pretty frequently. And this entire day we didn't see one. So we like had her call the company to find out if there are any ice cream trucks coming around and i didn't realize until probably like five years ago that she probably just didn't even call them she was just like i'm just gonna pretend to call just to get these kids to shut up and we just kept waiting there for like literally like i was waiting for like another three hours because i was like oh they'll be here eventually she said she called them and they'd say they'd be here and then after it didn't happen i was just like oh well i guess they lied to me but the babysitter was the liar and I never got my Choco Taco and I'm never going to get my Choco Taco now because they're being discontinued. So I, I saw that news earlier today and I, I hearkened back to when I did in fact eat my last Choco Taco that I was ripped of the dignity of knowing it would be the last time I put one of those things in my mouth. If I had a a sad day. (laughs) here's the thing i've seen a lot of people kind of bummed about this do you know why they're discontinuing it please don't say it's like politically incorrect dude klondike choco taco no i'm kidding you could you you could make the argument for that no they said bottom line they're 
sales have indicated that we are beyond the Choco Taco as a society. It doesn't perform very well anymore. They're literally doing it. It's our fault. Okay, I I do not blame society. I blame society for losing interest in the Choco Taco after it got like dumbed down, made smaller. They use like half the amount of chocolate. You hardly get any nuts. Society lost interest in a bad product. They were in love with a good one back in the day. So I think they're just like similar to what John Henry and the Red Sox are doing. They're just like, eh, we're going to we're going to say we're going to bury the Red Sox reputation, essentially, and then blame the fans for not giving us good numbers. You actually just hit a, 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 a sore spot for me. I listen to ESPN radio and I have for a long time. And I have to tell you. I'm extremely disappointed in what I've been hearing of late. Basically, every single ex-athlete from Keyshawn Johnson to Jay Williams, Bart Scott, name the guy. I would say in about 90% of situations, the problem isn't, you know, Kyrie Irving doesn't want to get a vaccination or that a guy like Kevin Durant is insane and extremely fickle with where and who he plays with. Mm-hmm. It's always the stupid fans fault. It's always the stupid fans. Literally the people who make ESPN a possibility and all of these former athletes on a day in and day out basis. There was a, a, a female host, Sarah Spain, the other day. She had an, I forget which former football player on. They were talking about the Cleveland Browns situation where they traded Baker Mayfield for a serial rapist, basically, and then gave the guy $230 million. And now they're waiting to see if he gets suspended for the season. And they're already shopping around for terrible quarterbacks to back him up. Yeah. And so Sarah Spain and whichever clown she had on with her for about two seconds, they were like, you know, it's pretty serious. uh, The accusations against Watson but he has settled 20 of the 24 cases. And I mean, let's talk about the Browns upcoming season. And the, the, the male on the show, the male former NFL player said, the NFL has to do the right thing in this case with Deshaun Watson. Because you know who's going to be mad, he asked? Women and casual fans. And I thought, you're a moron. I mean, a, a, I mean, a really stupid person. Clearly a guy who has a college degree who shouldn't have one. Um, thank God for your skills. Not a critically thinking man by any stretch of the imagination. You don't think real fans care about violence against women? And for the, the for the woman Sarah Spain, who's a pretty decent, a pretty decent personality, to not even object to that. I I found that to be a little mind blowing. That's like the view level stupidity. Yeah. Casual fans and ladies aren't going to like it if they have this uh, this guy who attempted to abuse up to 60 women. Hiring the hardcore off, fans in the biggest sport in the world. Right, dude. Hiring masseuses off Instagram sometimes when they had just started taking classes. You're not a professional masseuse. What? And, and the whole time they had a masseuse on staff. It's just like, I see potential in this one. Hmm. But the the mindset of ESPN is that fans are stupid. I mean, literally, their whole fan base. That's what ESPN's fan base is. Their listener base is sports fans. And their personalities seem to think that sports fans are stupid and that sports fans are the reason 
why, you know, again, why Kevin Durant doesn't want to play for the Brooklyn Nets anymore. Like, dude, what is wrong with you people? Here's the I don't other think big they know they're, I don't think they think they're stupid. I think they're just like, yeah, they can't say anything. Like, they don't have a – we're not attacking people right. with a platform. Sure. They're speaking on behalf of themselves when they were players, and that's mm-hmm. how players feel about you. They hate your guts, and they don't care. Um, And more often than not, again, it's like, well, I know the fans want this. You guys are stupid. You, you don't understand how it works. No, we understand how it works because we watch it. It seems like the ones who don't know how it works are the idiots who are playing it because you're the clowns who get traded. You're the idiots whose lives get upended and sent across the country for a variety of reasons, some good, some bad. And it's also like you probably don't have a good understanding because you also are the idiots that have severe like repetitive head trauma from your main source of income. Yeah. But I, I find that extremely disappointing. This this take where like it fans are too stupid to understand uh the intricacies of not just the game, but of like the front office and stuff. And it's like, dude, you don't have to have you could be barely paying attention to the way sports is run. You could figure it out. It's all about the almighty dollar and maximizing your profits. And you do that by trying to pay your your athletes as little money as humanly possible. When people bitch about Major League Baseball players' salaries, what they're not looking at is the billions of dollars the league brings in or the fact that the poorest franchise, the Kansas City Royals, is worth $1.5 billion. Even the so, worst football teams are a profitable business. Yeah, listen, I don't I've never understood the mindset of 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 um defending and standing up for like these old guy white rich owners. Screw those guys. Dan Snyder looks like he's got some good traits and qualities <laughs> somewhere deep down there. But I was always on the side of players and the little guy. Like I owners, I don't care for those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've never cared for those people. I think George Steinbrenner is an idiot. When it comes and, to baseball, I hate both the players and the owners because the well, players are babies and the owners are dicks. Yankee fans, George Steinbrenner died a decade ago, I, I think now. And there were people like, George was here. Like, let me tell you what George Steinbrenner did. George Steinbrenner traded every young guy he could find in favor of uh, a veteran, an overpriced veteran. So he was bad at that. He wanted to trade Derek Jeter and Mariana Rivera for a guy I promise you, you've never heard of. He couldn't he trade Jeter, though. That would be unforgivable. He was going 1996 before anyone knew who Jeter was. Oh, okay. That's a different story. That's like trading he Poppy was... before everybody knew who he was. No, the difference between them is 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 Poppy had spent six years in Minnesota and he was not good. David Ortiz was a big disappointment at the major league level before he went to Boston. Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera were two of the Yankees' top prospects. Their impatience with developing young players prompted them all through the 80s. Dude, Willie McGee, Fred McGriff, Doug Drayback. Dude, the, the, the list is a um, Jose, uh, Jose Rio. The, the, you could put together an all-star team of guys. Jay Buhner, famously made famous at Seinfeld. They traded Jay Buhner for Ken Phelps. 
and Buner had a cannon for an arm. Okay, so just to make sure you're not making these names up, right? Correct. These are all legit, real names. All right, just make just making. But sure. so again, dude, people get. I was in diapers. And they're like, time. they're like, dude, Stein, George Steinbrenner. He, he always went for no. George Steinbrenner was a terrible owner, and it wasn't until he got suspended for the eighty nine ninety season when someone else took the reins of that team and got everything together so that the Yankees would enjoy success from 95 through today. The facts are always out there. It's like you you could look all this kind of stuff up for yourself. People don't well, do I, that. I guess I kind of miss Steinbrenner then. I may That's not be hilarious. into baseball that much, but I hate the Yankees anyway. My biggest sports disappointment of all time was September, uh, right after September 11, 2001, when the Yankees lost the World Series to the cheating Arizona Diamondbacks because – it would have been four championships in a row. Was Johnson uh, on backs then? Yes, he was. Him and Schilling. Yeah, cool. they single-handedly stopped the Yankees, but it would have been four in a row, and it would have been what a great way to get over 9-11. Not get over it, but you know what I mean. It would have been a nice response. Yeah, J- Joe, when it comes to 9-11, forget. Get over it. Yeah. Forget no, well, about I mean, it. <laughs> I didn't have a bad time because the Patriots won that year and had arguably what I consider one of the greatest halftime shows of all time with you two. That was against the Rams with Kurt Warner. I don't know if you remember that game, but. Okay. Now you just reminded me of my biggest phone disappointment of all time. I remember waking up one morning about 20 years ago and during the night, somehow someone had downloaded u two's brand new album onto my phone. Oh my God. <laughs> your your phone and like a million others right yeah nobody liked that people were angry thanks but no thanks bono you ever given someone a free album and had the entire world hate what they were given especially when you're like a band people kind of like yeah yeah and it was also because it was tough to delete from your library as well they were just like no we paid for this and you're going to you're it's literally like no no kids we're not getting dinner tonight i bought veggies and a dinner that you're going to absolutely hate and you're going to eat it if people had any idea how much music goes for nowadays though they'd have totally kept it like per song what do you mean by how much music goes for you know it's not free i don't download music do i sound like i know what i'm talking about cuz i don't i well okay so it, well i i've gone through a lot of phases of piracy as well as spending too much money on music. But um, I have pretty much got into piracy because when I was in sixth grade, I was trying to get a lot of girls to like me. So I ended up just like taking requests on how to, on like playlists that girls wanted burned onto CDs. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. No problem. And I'd be giving up free CDs. Little did they know I was just charging all the music to my parents' card at the time. So they got like a $230 bill. And I was just like, oh, I've been making people mix CDs just with the Ooh. songs they want. Um, and then I got into piracy because I was like, well, I guess $230, which at the time, every song was worth 99 cents. But like high fidelity music now or um, just good quality songs, like I get for $1.30 each. So, I mean, it's not much more expensive, but like I don't really mind it. It could be way worse, like a lot of other products it hasn't increased all that much per song and albums are usually still like 10 bucks each just because people don't buy a lot of albums so they don't expect to sell them so the costs are pretty low yeah um, so that's one well, thing one i'm not th- disappointed about 
when the wife and I are jamming out, you know what I do for music? I just go to YouTube. Uh, I can't do that. The uh, my my ear notices the quality too much. It it ticks me off. Honestly, I can tell like if I'm in my car and a song comes on that I like I can tell if I've had it for a long time and it's been copied and pasted into different computers just having to transfer my music so many times over the years. I'm like, ah, I got to re-download this because the file's getting all choppy and stuff. Like I'm at that level, so I can't do YouTube. And whenever I've got friends who have like those like cassette tape adapters to put in their car so they can connect it to their phone, I'm just like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I also get super bad anxiety if I'm not driving a car that I'm in. So it's just like a double whammy of bad sound and bad feelings, bad vibes, man. Did I ever tell you I don't like music? You don't like music? Not really. Well, you know, everybody is a piece of shit in their own special way, I guess. Wow. Well, I don't like you, Joe, anymore. No, that's fine. Episode eight, Robbie and Joe break up. Music has never been important to me. I like songs. I know a few. I don't know that I know any song start to finish. Like, honestly, songs don't stay in my head like baseball stats do. Is that weird? Okay, so baseball stats are your music then? Sure, but like even political stats. I can give you stats on abortion right now if you're interested. But for some reason, and again, it's not like I don't I, – I, like I, I listen to music. My wife and I will hang out at night on the back deck. We put the music on. I try to find cool songs that remind me of when we were young. She tries to play songs that are going to like hit you in the heart, and it's like, oh, you're never going to find one. There's not one – that will do that to me, but keep looking. <laughs> and Joe just balls his eyes out when Yakety Yak comes on. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Well, some might say the greatest composition of all time. <laughs> Yakety Yak. Don't go back. Yeah. I don't know. Who's by the Ben that, Hill but... theme song. <laughs> I love that song. That means something to me. That means something. That's why that music is important. You know? Mm. Yeah, but yeah. I, well, so the way I look at it, I, like I associate music with emotions. So pretty much any time and I only listen to my music on shuffle and I've got like thousands of songs on my phone. So I I always kind of find what song works for what setting really in passing a lot of the time. So I've got like a good emotional connection a lot of the time with my music. So, you know, it's just something that, that's something I've learned a lot about little like little intricacies about songs stupid lyrics like I'm, i almost always like write down lyrics that i find are also either just awesome or really impactful like my favorite lyric of all time right off the top of my head from the moment i could talk i was ordered to listen cat stevens father and son i was like that is a cool line and then my second favorite line is of course there is water at the bottom of the ocean talking heads so obviously they don't have to mean anything sure uh it's funny you say that because while i'm not a huge music fan i am a big fan of lyrics i think lyrics uh good lyrics hit me good lyrics speak to me Mm -hmm. and that that's sort of what i'm always looking for so you probably don't like modern hip-hop all that much no but you know what i love is old school hip-hop I love I love Dr. Dre. I love Biggie. I love Fat Joe. I'm a big pun fan. I love Mob Deep. I love Wu Tang. Those guys were telling stories about the streets, right? And it, I was fascinated by it because I'm not anywhere near the streets, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. they were storytellers. I love Bob Seger. I love Tom Petty. I love Sheryl Crow. I love people that are singer songwriters. I love Jackson Brown. 
those are those are sort of if you play the piano, I'll listen to you. Unless you're Elton John. Pianos and organs, I wish would make a comeback in music. I could get I could get down with more piano players. I like Elton John. I've just heard every song eight hundred yeah. million times over. I, I don't mean any disrespect to him, but I love dude I can get on the piano and play you something. But yeah, lyrics mean I, I identify songs by lyrics. A good song to me is one that lyrically speaks to me. Bob Seeger has a great line. <laughs> Modern he Shakespeare. Says, he says, I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. And I've always thought like that is the story of life. I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. I mean, how many situations can you relate that to in your disappointing life so far? <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> Plenty. The list is ever growing. <laughs> I'm only 28, too. I can't wait to see how long this list gets. Oh, it grows by the day. Trust me. I don't even have Trust kids me. yet. Yeah. Oh. Well, you can add as many kids as you have right to that list. I'm just joking. Well, okay. So actually, I wanted to, I had another topic from a couple of weeks ago that I was thinking. I was like, I came across one of the first indications that I might be feeling like I'm starting to get old, which is the fact that I had to like trim my nose hair. I was just like, oh, it's probably one of the lower concerns as far as things that happen when you get old. But I was also like, what makes Joe feel old? Or what did you have to change about yourself when you had kids or just got older that stand out to you, which could admittedly fit into one of the most disappointing things that you had to change kind of off well, to kind of right. We could go to something else if you want to think about that for a sec, but because I've got no, plenty more disappointments I could talk about. Don't need to. I mean, I literally turned 40 and everything started breaking. Everything just started to hurt all of a sudden. I was in the best shape of my life when I turned 40. I was, I've been working out for three years consecutively. And just, it was one thing after another, just not anything I was doing, just, yeah. And it's, and it, my back hurts, my butt hurts, everything hurts, my neck. All the high mileage results. Yeah. I used to have 2020 vision. I don't know what's going on anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm starting yeah. to lose a little in my right eye. Yeah. It's all downhill. That's I can only see an eighth of a mile away from me now. I can't accurately read a sign a quarter of a mile away anymore. I suddenly question how I would do on that lowest line. Yeah. Is that an, is that or the, an E? Or the hearing test, because I'm just like, I really want to have good hearing. And I listen to music super loud, and I've shot enough guns without ear protection that I'm just like, was that, a, was that the ding I was supposed to say I heard? So I'm just, a lot of the time, I'm just like, and it could also just be like tinnitus. Every test, every hearing test I've ever taken in my life, I felt like I failed it. Pretty much every test, I feel like I fail. That's not they're good. just like, all right, let's look at the results. And then they do, they look at the test and they're just like, they don't even say anything. It's just that side glance before they go back to looking at the test. Oh, I know that look. Mm -hmm. Do I want to break it to him? Is this guy having a good day? <laughs> Is this going to make the list of horrible disappointments right up there with Twinkies, Halo Infinite, and my weed stock? All oh, terrible yes, disappointments. <laughs> I put like... 1200 bucks into a weed stock in 2020 which grew to over eight thousand dollars and i was like oh you know I'll, I'll i'll draw it all out if it gets up to like another three cents and then i forgot to look at my phone and by the end of the day it had gone back down to like two thousand uh... dollars 
it was um yeah that was that that hurt more but i mean i i didn't lose any money so i was just like hey you know first time in the stock market never having to really be concerned about anything that one hurt especially because i could have used that after i wrecked my car not too long after that <laughs> oh yeah that wasn't even on the list oh i've got nine nine car accident stories i could put on my list all disappointments i've only got one one crash just me and i was smart enough to drive off the road to not run into anybody else's car so you know presence we, of mind we should definitely tell car accident stories one of these days i've got a couple of doozies that's just going to be the Joe cast. I'll be like, I drove off the road and ruined the underside of my car. And that's about it. <laughs> Joe, it's your show from here on there, buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> I've had some bad ones. No, I've had some rough ones. Never a bad, bad one. At least not physically to me. Well, we should definitely talk about that next time. Just to list off a couple more without any context or conversation. The end of the 2021 Formula One season, Man of Steel, starring Henry Cavill, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which actually wasn't too much of a disappointment, but I thought they were going to have more Nicolas Cage-isms. Uh, the video game Driver 3, the state of Ohio, Colorado, and that could go either way. Uh, Twinkies, Halo Infinite, as already mentioned, my weed stock, uh, the U.S. healthcare system, a uh, job I had at the end of COVID, Roadhead, and SpongeBob after season three. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. I have so many follow-ups. <laughs> yep. Uh, in no particular order. But Ohio was a pretty big disappointment, which we can get into next time on Following Flames. We're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, I've been Robbie McCluskey with uh, the wonderful Joe Aguirre. As you can tell, this has been very uplifting. Um, if you needed a boost to your own self-esteem, just think of all the things that we were disappointed about in life and think about how you didn't have to deal with them unless you were a Patriots fan in 2007. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, just want to remind everyone, we've got social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Following Flames. Joe, do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, just get ready for some great stories next week because uh, I've got I've got some really interesting ones. Uh, you're not going to want to miss these stories. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. Looking forward to it myself because I have no idea what they're going to be. Surprise me. It's going to be like opening presents on Christmas. Well, it's not going to be as exciting now that I don't know that Santa doesn't <laughs> exist. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to live with that. Going back into Sorry. therapy now. 28 years old. Can you imagine a therapist being like, you're 28 and you just discovered Santa's not real? I bet you there's there's at least one person out there that would actually apply to. Probably. Well, yeah. looking forward to next week, Joe. I appreciate you being here. Glad to have this conversation. Learn a little bit more about both of us. And we'll see you guys next week.